Hello everyone, this is Masood Ramandi from Perfected by Blood Ministries and I'm happy to be with you with another session from uh, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter by chapter studying of the book of Revelation. If this is your first time in this channel, I invite you to consider subscribing because you will be able to actually get notifications anytime we release a new video or also uh, join us for our live Bible studies on the book of Hebrews every Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Times. Also, if you haven't gotten our free book on how to understand the Bible, you can simply go to perfectedbyblood.com forward slash sign up and then uh, just put your name and uh, email address and we're going to send you this ebook. Okay, so uh, we are in chapter 7 of the book of uh, Revelation. We have covered the first six chapters and if you haven't watched them, please go back and uh, do so because without that, you won't be able to follow along and understand what the rest of uh, the book of Revelation is all about. As we have covered this over and over, uh, the first verse of this book speaks of what this book is all about. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 7, uh, likewise, uh, is revelation of Jesus Christ, is part of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And just as verse uh, 2 of chapter 1 says that everything in this book is signified, meaning uh, illustrated by using signs, uh, chapter 7 is no exception. It's the same way. So um, now I'm going to actually read um, a few verses from this chapter because I understand that not many are familiar with the scriptures of uh, the book of Revelation just as they are with the rest of the New Testament. Uh, but then I want you to pay attention that uh, we may have uh, an understanding concerning uh, basically certain terminologies in the Bible. And in order to go deeper, in order to understand what the Spirit says, we have to go beyond carnal understanding. We have to go beyond uh, what we, we have been taught. We have to go beyond what has been revealed in the past. We have to step into something that was not heard, not seen, not entered into the heart of man. And the only way to do that is to pay attention to what the Spirit says. So it's not only reading of what we are about to read, but also hearing what the Spirit says concerning this. So the Spirit uh, has uh, basically a language which is sign language. And all throughout the Bible, since Genesis 1-1, uh, toward the basically end of the Bible, Revelation 22 verse 21, everything uh, has a much deeper, deeper meaning that mankind has uh, focused on. So when we come to chapter 7, uh, what we read is a story which is called the sealing of uh, basically the 144,000 um, number of the children of Israel. And anytime that we hear these words, Israel and tribes of Israel and 12 tribes of Israel, uh, we tend to uh, go toward a certain direction. We tend to believe that this is about uh, the Jewish nation of Israel in Middle East. This is about maybe something in future. Um, and this is where we get stuck because this is where we uh, basically once again uh, show favoritism where God does not. When um, basically we, we, we bring division and we don't understand that everything that is in this book is about Christ. And then it becomes about every single person that is a creation of God. And Christ is the one who says, 
you were a creation but I'm making you a new creation that fallen mind that you inherited from your forefathers I'm going to take it and replace it with my own mind which is the mind of Christ chapter 7 of Revelation is all about this now it starts by saying something about uh, the four winds uh, basically uh, the four winds to be blowing on the earth now let me just read it actually so you can follow along and then we can get into some of these terminologies look at verse one it says after these things i saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding the four uh, winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth on the sea or on any tree then i saw another angel ascending uh, from the east having the seal of the living God and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels uh, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying do not harm the earth the sea the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads and I heard the number of those who were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed and it goes on in verse 5, 6, 7, and 8, to say of every one of these 12 tribes, 12,000 were seals. So 12 multiplied by 12,000 comes to 144,000. But who are they? Who are the 44,000? And what is this story of the four angels having the four uh, winds of the earth uh, and holding back, not allowing them to be blown on the earth until the servants of our God are sealed? And then it says they were sealed. So what is this story all about? Okay, uh, in, order to, um, in order to understand what this means, we have to put away everything that we have known because again, once again, I know that uh, the name Israel, anytime it's heard, uh, it's basically related to the Jewish nation in the Middle East. Um, and even all the messages of in basically the book of Revelation are directed toward that nation when, where it has nothing to do with that. The book of Revelation is revelation of Jesus Christ, period. And revelation of Jesus Christ means the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Now, where is Jesus Christ that he needs to be revealed? In heaven? No, not at all. Let me just read for you uh, so actually you can understand what I am talking about. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, 13. Look at uh, verse 5. It says, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know, you yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Okay, so Jesus Christ is not in heaven. It's not in a far, basically, planet. It's not in a geographic place. It's not even in a created heaven. Jesus Christ is in you, okay? So when he's being revealed, he's being revealed in you. That means uh, there, is, um, there, is, there has come a time that what was written in the book of Colossians by Paul needs to be finding its own fulfillment in every one of us. And this is it. Chapter 1, verse 26, 27, everybody knows, everybody's familiar with this, that the mystery that was um, hidden for ages and generations, um, now God has revealed that uh, to us which is um, basically the riches of this in among the Gentiles is Christ in you the hope of glory okay Christ in you the hope of glory but chapter 3 
says, okay, since you died with Christ, um, remember that now uh, your life is hidden also with Christ in God. Where when Christ appears or manifests, you shall appear with him in glory. Okay, so Christ in you, the hope of glory, chapter 1 of Colossians. You appearing with Christ in glory, chapter 3. What happened? Did we go somewhere? No. Same group of people on planet Earth. One, the, the initiation of their experience is just to know there is Christ in them, but the end of that to be Christ revealed in them. The initiation would be just to have a revelation that Christ in me is the hope of glory, is the hope of God's weight in me, is the hope of basically me being filled with God. Chapter 3 is you actually already being filled with the fullness of God. That's the story uh, moving from chapter 1 to chapter uh, 3. So when <clears throat> now we say chapter 7 has to do again with part of the mystery of the revelation of Jesus Christ, the theme of the book of Revelation, then we have to understand how, I mean, this is related to the revelation of Jesus Christ. First of all, uh, what is this thing about 144,000? Let me just show you this actually on uh, the screen. Okay, so we, all of us know the story of uh, Israel, the nation of Israel. Uh, according to, basically, this is uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, uh, a, Paul, a Jewish person, actually tells us that uh, everything that was written about this uh, Jewish nation was simply okay, an example. Okay? Everything was an example for us. Let me just quickly show you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse um, uh, look at verse actually all of this is good but uh, let me actually read from verse 1 it says moreover brethren I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea all were baptized into Moses in the cloud, in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they all drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, which was, uh, and that was, uh, that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things uh, became for, became our examples. These things became our example. These things became our example what does that mean the story of the children of israel is just an example it's done it had a beginning which was when uh, isaac was born and it had an end when solomon actually inherited all that was promised and that's when the corruption came we've covered this before i'm not going to go through this but what was promised to abraham was fulfilled in, in the time of Solomon. To Abraham, God promised that I will give to your seed a land and they inherited and done. Okay, And all of that uh, is now an example for you and for me. Why? Because their story started from a land called Egypt. And God came to Moses and he said, I want to redeem my people from this land. 
from that moment on you need to see everything in Christ okay you have to see uh, everything that started from that point onward in Christ you have to see all the plagues that happened in Egypt the sacrificial lamb the doorpost that received the blood the sea that they went through and they were baptized wilderness all the manna that came the cloud that followed them the fire that was with them uh, the drink basically the spiritual drink that says they drank the, the water that they drank all the way to basically Joshua going before them into the land to David destroying all the enemies to Solomon sitting on the throne every one of those things must be seen in Christ otherwise you're left only with a religion without any path forward you just say I'm Christian I believe in Jesus and you have no clue that your first initiation to the revelation of Christ in you was just the beginning and because of not actually preaching the truth about what is the rest we end up like them going around in our own wilderness and not entering into the promised land not inheriting what was promised to us and all die just like they did now i want to say what this story is all about um, we are in chapter 7 of the book of revelation and we are in seal number 6 okay but uh, rose covered this in the last session that uh, chapter 6 is all about uh, the first five seals that are being loosed chapter 6 is about the sixth seal um, in fact actually it's the continuation to the sixth seal um, now <clears throat> Uh, let me actually, uh, I need to show you some scriptures, otherwise it's hard to actually say what I want to say. Uh, so chapter 7 um, is the story of the 144,000 being sealed. This story is the story of, as I said, the story starts from Egypt. Seal number 1 um, is the beginning of a certain redemption which was about redemption from Egypt okay please follow along with me in fact let me just uh, maybe it's better to draw this and let me just put this on the screen okay great so we have uh, and let me just draw this one Okay, these are the story of the seals, which are seven seals, by the way. Okay, so we have uh, seal number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, uh, and number seven. So here we have one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Okay, and when seven ends, here we have the beginning of the trumpets. That's uh, seal number seven. So where are we right now? We are actually here. We are in seal number six. And this is where we are reading the story of 144,000 uh, children 
of Israel. Okay, so this is very important if you're able to follow with me. Uh, this story uh, shows us something very, very, very profound. Let me just change this to black. Uh, anything that you see until here in the book of Revelation, the first four seals, I don't have time to actually uh, talk about this in details. Uh, that's why actually we have a course called Revelation of Jesus Christ. If you're interested, just check descriptions. Uh, there is a link uh, to sign up. You can actually read about what this is all about in uh, basically our page and then uh, join us, you know, for, um, for a few weeks and see actually what's happening. But uh, this is the first four or the story of, uh, sorry, the story of what happened in Egypt. And these two are the story of wilderness. And here onward is the story of promised land. Okay, so we said Israel was an example. Paul said Israel was an example. Now, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is about Jesus Christ being revealed in you, has come to this place, uh, to seal number six already, uh, where we are. As we, if we say we are moving with what is happening in these chapters, we are experiencing them. Now we are experiencing the story of life in wilderness. So that tells me that I have to go to Old Testament and find this story somewhere. What was this story of sealing of the children of Israel? And who are they? Why not the whole nation being sealed? Okay. Uh, before moving forward, uh, before actually taking you, I'm going to take you to Numbers uh, 2 and clearly show you what this is all about. Uh, let me show you what the scripture says about Israel. This is in uh, Galatians chapter 6. We can quickly read it. Um, actually, yeah, Galatians chapter 6. Uh, look at verse 12. It says, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, this would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may uh, not suffer persecution, for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, uh, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now, Paul is speaking of a group of people that they are, obviously their background is Jewish, they are Israelites, they are from the physical, natural nation of Israel. And he says, they are actually against the cross of Christ. And he says their boasting is in keeping the law. Their boasting is in showing, have a good showing in the flesh. Their boasting is in about what we can do and what we have done and what we must do. And they put the same yoke on other people too. And he says just one example is circumcision. They compel other people to actually circumcise. So you see that they, there is a nation that everything in them is fleshly. And the time has come that people would understand that they all 
meant something in the past because they were going to bear witness of what was going to come in Christ. They were a shadow of what was to come. They were not the reality. They were not the truth. They were just an example. So now the truth has come, but they're rejecting what the truth is saying in Christ. And in verse 14 says, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Meaning, not Jewish, being a Jewish has any value, not being a Gentile has any value but a new creation okay so the only thing that matters is new creation it's not being a jew or being israelite according to a jew or a gentile according to flesh but only new creation verse 16 and as many as walk according to this rule which is no jew no gentile understanding only the new creation as many as walk according to this rule Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The word and should be even. Okay, that's how in the Greek you should read it. So it says peace and mercy mercy uh, be upon uh, the Israel of God. Okay, he just said the Israel, Jewish nation, those who are according to the Jew, they're still boasting in the flesh. And he says, uh, I'm doing everything to cut an opportunity from them to actually show themselves uh, or have a good showing in the flesh. There, there are a couple of other scriptures that I don't have to cover this. So he can't be possibly speaking of that nation when he says, peace be upon the Israel of God. He just said who the Israel of God is. He says, anyone who accord, walks according to this rule is the Israel of God. What was that? The new creation. So what is the story? The new creation is the Israel of God. Because Israel was not supposed to be, I mean, we have nothing against Israel, but we have everything for Christ. What we are trying to say is, um, there is nothing, no advantage in being a Jew, no advantage in being a Gentile. There is nothing left for any nation according to their forefathers or ancestry or whatever it was in the past. All things have come to in Christ and in Christ all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or if you're a Gentile. If you are a son of Abraham according to flesh or if you are a son of Abraham according to faith. Everyone must be in Christ. So according to this, uh, he says that the Israel of God is uh, a new creation. So therefore, out of Israel who came to 12 tribes uh, means the 12 tribes that come out of the new creation. Or to put this actually in a better understanding, all the mystery of the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of um, Israel reveals the mystery of sonship. Okay, reveals the mystery of new creation because the same people that were eventually in the land of promise inheriting everything according to the old they were a few years back slaves in Egypt so now it's the same story we who were slaves to sin in Egypt now not only we are being freed from sin but actually we are going to rule 
in life. So not sin to death, but actually reigning unto life. That's the mystery of Christ. So we are being set free from Egypt. So you see, actually, let me just uh, switch to the screen so you can see this. So there is a story of our life in Egypt. There is a story in wilderness. There is a story in promised land. This is the story of new creation. Now it says that in wilderness, there is something called 144,000 ceiling. Now, why this and how, I mean, uh, this uh, happens and what is the Old Testament background for this story? This is where I need you to take you to uh, Numbers chapter 2, where they came out of Egypt. Please follow with me on the screen. As I say, look at the screen and uh, follow with me on what I want to actually say. So they came out of Egypt. They entered into promised land. Revelation tells us the first four seals, the story of Egypt done. Now the story of wilderness and in end of this story is uh, seal number six, which is the 144,000 uh, basically sealing. So look at chapter two of the book of Numbers to see what was happening in wilderness. This is when they came uh, out of Egypt. They were, I mean, a multitude of people, a couple of million people. And God said, now, anytime uh, that from now on, everything is going to, about, going to be about a tabernacle around which you camp. And you stay here until I say, get up and go. So now here he gives the instruction on what to do. Look at chapter 2 verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, uh, Everyone of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard beside the emblems of his father's house. They shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. Okay, let me actually uh, change this. Have a new picture. Okay, so he says there is something called a tabernacle. Okay, let's use letter T. This is tabernacle. And he says, there are, um, what do we have? We have 12 tribes. And he says, they own have, they each have their own standard and emblem, which is basically the, uh, the sign and the flag. So he says, this is how they're going to be camping. The way they camp is actually around this tabernacle I hope you can see this okay so but now let's see um, how he says this is going to be done it says on some distance from the tabernacle verse 3 on the east side toward the rising of the sun those of the standards of the forces with Judah shall camp okay first let me say if this is the east this would be the west and this is the north, and this is the south. So he says, uh, Judah would be here. So I put J for Judah. Uh, and then he says uh, something about, I mean, one of them who will be their leaders. Verse 4, and his army was numbered at uh, 74,600. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar and 
Nathan, the son of Zuar, shall be the leader of the children of Issachar, and his army was numbered at this number. Then comes the tribe of Zebulun. Uh, okay, so he says Zebulun in verse 7, and Issachar, uh, they all actually, they also are on this side. So I'm going to put Z here for Zebulun, and uh, who was the other one? Issachar. So I here and then he continues to actually say now there are so these are the three tribes on the east side and then he gives us who are the three that are uh, basically on the west side and who are the three that are on the south and who are the uh, basically uh, other three tribes that are on the north side so 3 plus 3 plus 3 plus 3 uh, and then here you see uh, all the 12 tribes and uh, now now the only basically the uh, important thing is that not everyone uh, of these people were gathered or uh, chosen to be part of the army because all the numbers that I read for you is about army now um, what it means is <clears throat> okay first of all what is happening here is this that God is forming an army from the children of Israel now remember Revelation chapter 7 in that story, it says, of each tribe, 12,000 were sealed. Okay, you put these two together, you understand that God is forming an army. The language of army in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ, is kingdom. Okay, so the 144,000 are the, the ones that represent the kingdom of God forming in wilderness, getting prepared to blow the trumpets, to go into the land of uh, promise and to destroy the enemies of the land and to inherit that land. I hope you see this. Okay, so the story of 144,000 children of Israel being sealed by the seal of the living God on their forehead in Revelation chapter 7 is about the formation of the kingdom of God inside of his people and the 144,000 represents simply that portion of the kingdom. Not everyone is part of the army. Not that, I mean, God chooses someone. It's to say who is actually, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, this is not a literal thing that is going to be happening. This is happening as we speak in you and in me. It's been happening for 2000 years and those who have been able to see the progression of this redemption out of Egypt into wilderness with all the details not just simply say yes I was in uh, Egypt now I'm in wilderness I'm going to promised land no once we see that every one of those things were examples we actually begin to step into these realities and experientially understand where I am and what do I need to overcome and that's what you see in the book of Revelation so um now, 
let's go back to uh, the book of uh, Revelation. There is much to say actually about this uh, picture. Uh, there is much to be said about uh, what pictures actually are coming out of this. There is a, a detailed teaching on this. It's even hard to cover it in one session. Um, this picture is actually what you see in chapter 4 uh, of the book of Revelation eventually. Uh, where actually the throne of God, the tabernacle of God is there, the throne of God is there, and everybody is around the throne. And you see four living creatures and the 24 elders. All of those come out of this one picture that I gave you. But uh, I mean, that's not the purpose of today's message. I just wanted to show you that the story of 144,000, uh, what is that story? Actually, in fact, let me just, the only thing that I need to um, say here is this. Um, just change my color okay so you're saying 144,000 this number is simply 12 multiply by 12 by 1,000 okay the this um, number 12 uh, if you look at the Old Testament the first time that this is used is the story of the 12 sons of Jacob and uh, they are the ones that were mentioned uh, as uh, basically they are the ones that eventually formed the kingdom of Israel. And they represent government. They represent kingdom. Uh, that's why even when you come to the New Testament, you see Jesus having 12 disciples. So the kingdom, the government, is represented by number 12. Now, um, so this is actually about tribes. And then, uh, or the kingdom in tribes, and the 12 also represents in each of these, again, the totality, the, uh, the fullness of the kingdom. So 12 multiplied by 12, and number 1,000 is simply the one day of the Lord. Okay, because uh, symbolically speaking, again, Peter says in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3 says, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. So a thousand year, uh, or number thousand, represents a thousand years, which is one day of the Lord. So this is about, uh, eventually, 144,000 is God reigning in and through His people. I'm going to actually put it here so you can read. For, uh, or actually in the day of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? In a day that you are co-working with Him. It's not a literal name and literal day again. It's the day of the Lord when uh, darkness is past. You you have the light of the Lord. You see. You understand. You have an illumination. You have enlightening. You have revelation. And in that, the fullness of the work of God in that one day. Uh, is through the working of his kingdom in you, which is in the Holy Spirit. So this is about the working of the Spirit of God actually in his people to create a people for himself that can be a kingdom of God on earth. Okay, I think can be said more clear than this. Now, it says, before this sealing happens, I heard something. And this is what it says. After verse chapter 7, verse 1, it says, uh, I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the, 
that the wind should not blow on earth or on the sea or on any tree. Uh, and verse 3 says, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, uh, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Okay, let me actually first tell you what the forehead is. Look at chapter 22, verse 4. It says, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their forehead. Okay, I just gave you what the seal is. The seal on the forehead is the name of the father on the 144,000 children of Israel. He said, this is new creation. Now, what is this representing? It says, the same people that came out of Egypt uh, that were slaves, in their mind they were slaves, they come out... They come into wilderness, yet they, they don't have the, the mind of a son. They don't have that assurance. Uh, and this is where the working of God works. So they can actually be sealed by this name. They can understand they are sons. They can understand they are no longer slaves. They can understand they are heirs of God. They can have that assurance and they can enter into the promised land where God said, Go, I have given it to you and not to be... Uh, ignorant of this command like the children of Israel the physical the natural children of Israel who went into the promised land came back with a bad report and they said we can't go and possess this land because there are enemies and we can so that should not be our story our story should be to actually remain uh, obedient to the seal of God um, by which we are sealed now the one who seals us it says, let me just show you who he is. Uh, verse 2 says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Okay, so he says, the one who, um, the one who had the seal of God is the one who rose or he ascended from the east. The word east is actually the rising of the sun. So, it, so basically it says, the one who has the seal is from, is from the rising of the sun. Now, again, symbolically, you can go to check uh, Mark 16 and other Gospels. It says, uh, before the rising of the sun, they went to the tomb and they saw that the body was not there. Why? Because Jesus was ascended out of the earth. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So the one who has the seal of God, it says he is from... Uh, the rising of the sun, which is, by the way, the east. And um, the first tribe that I read for you in Numbers chapter 2 was the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah, it says actually on the rising of the sun, uh, on the side of the rising of the sun, Numbers chapter 2, uh, should be the tribe of Judah camping around the tabernacle. All symbolism, okay? None of these things have a literal fulfillment these are to understand what this story is it says uh, the one that is from the tribe of judah can uh, basically seal now why the tribe of judah because uh, if you remember i mean we've covered this in uh, two sessions ago uh, that chapter five speaks of a uh, basically one sitting on the throne and there was a, a scroll on the right hand of the throne and nobody was able to uh, lose its seal or to break the seals and to read it 
and people were crying and somebody said one of the elders says do not cry for the lion of the tribe of judah has overcome to take the scroll to break its seals and to read it basically so the one this basically simply says the firstborn son of god jesus christ who rose from the dead is the one who can actually seal you with the name of the father on your forehead let me show you hebrews chapter uh, 2 um, hebrews chapter 2 it says in verse 10 for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory uh, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying i will declare your name to my brethren okay so the name of the father is being declared to the many sons that must be coming to glory through the firstborn son of god raised from the dead this is the angel that rose from the rising of the sun one of the tribe of judah and now the reason i mean uh, tribe of judah because jesus was according to the tribe of judah according to the flesh it has no other significance so uh now what what is all this trying to say let me take you to this declaration of the name of the father by jesus to his brethren which is you and me and see something very 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 profound uh, this is the last words of jesus before his uh, crucifixion and obviously resurrection chapter 17 of john verse 25 O righteous father the world has not known you but i have known you and these have known you uh, that you have sent me and i have declared to them your name okay what is the purpose of it and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and i in them okay so the name on the forehead is the name of the father which makes you a son so in wilderness which is basically a in-between land between egypt and promised land between slavery and lordship between uh, not having anything to being the heir of all things there is that season called wilderness in wilderness it says when the the angel rose then the seal came okay what does that represent uh, when jesus rose he said wait until the promise of my father comes upon you and when in the book of acts chapter 2 they were all in with one accord in the upper room uh, suddenly uh, there was a sound as of a basically mighty wind okay came upon them and they were all filled with the holy spirit it says now the four winds of the earth were hold uh, were told to be held back the angels were told to actually hold it back so that they were first sealed on their forehead okay what is this story trying to say the story is this why, why do you bring wind on the earth why i mean what happens when a wind comes on the earth first of all it says it will hurt the earth and the sea and the trees now what is that representing the and which earth and sea and trees by the way because we have in chapter 21 we have a new earth so what is the earth that is experiencing 
uh, this wind. Well, it's the old earth. Now, what does that re represent? I mean, in simple language, it's your humanity. Uh, the, the wind that comes, uh, first of all, it's actually the thing that is going to change things. It's going to perhaps uproot some trees. It's going to reorganize something on, in the, on the sea and um, basically on earth. It says this can't be done unless first they are sealed with the um, uh, basically the seal of the father. What does that mean? No judgment must be done except they are first sealed by the name of the father as sons and they know what the father speaks they're not going to take it carnally they're not going to uh, look at it in flesh they're not going to be afraid of this they're going to see every word that is being spoken from their father is to bring newness in every area so they can put away the old okay that's simply what it means so it says in order for you to take the judgment of god which is judgment simply means a separation a division God having an opinion, God showing you what is the truth. Um, in, I think it's in Isaiah that Isaiah says, uh, when your judgment are on the earth, the children of men will learn righteousness. Okay, So the judgment is not a judgment unto death, a judgment unto condemnation. It's a judgment unto righteousness. It's a judgment that shows you what the truth is about you. It's a judgment to come into your mind, your forehead, by the way, and to help you to recognize that you are sons. And if you are sons, you are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Okay, so the story of chapter 7 is about um, those who are going toward maturity, toward perfection. They know there is something more than just being born again. They know there is something more than uh, just you know, receiving some, some gifts. They know there is something more than just being able to heal the sick and stuff like that. Those who know there is something called promised land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land that is that does not have any enemy, a land that is without enemies. And even the last enemy is not there, death. A land without death, a land with God's blessing, a land, a land which now takes us back all the way to the symbology of the Garden of Eden. A land that was directly fed by the river uh, of God that was flowing from Eden. That's us being, receiving the Spirit of God that goes and is departing into four streams and the four streams go into the four directions of our earth which is what we read actually in chapter 4 so your depth your height your width your length can be touched by the spirit of god so your humanity can be touched by divinity your uh, basically carnality can be replaced by the divine nature of God. So in your thoughts, in, the, in your lower thoughts, in your higher thoughts, in everything, you can experience old becoming old and new to replace it. This is the story of uh, basically the ceiling. Now, why this is important? What happens? I mean, uh, why the ceiling is happening? Because it's clear. I mean, we are told in a clear language what this represents. Let's look at uh, chapter... Um, 30 chapter 4 of the book of um, Ephesians in verse uh, 
30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit uh, of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Your sealing is for the day of redemption. That means you can never experience redemption without first being actually sealed by the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit seal you? By the name of the Father. Where? On the forehead. Now, what is forehead representing? Mind. So it's the name of the Father in your mind. What does that mean? So that you can understand your son. So what does that mean? To have the mind of a son. What is the mind of a son? The mind of Christ. Okay. So the story of being sealed with the mind of Christ is what we see in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. It's about me being sealed by, a mind of, by the mind of Christ so I can experience after that redemption, which is the glorious truth which, are, which we are going to see in the rest, especially in the bulls. Uh, in chapter 15, 16 onward. That's where actually you begin to see redemption finding its fulfillment experientially in God's people. So there are people that are actually being sealed by this mind. So you can move, you can continue, you can be led by the Spirit of God as sons of God. They can leave Egypt behind, they can go into the promised land and every action that they take in this spiritual path is by the direction of the spirit of sonship that is inside of them. So, uh, in fact, uh, let me just read it once again for you. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's look at another verse. Chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. It says in verse 13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, uh, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance, a promised land, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Okay, so he says, there, there is going to be a praise to His glory. Why? Because the glory is going to be revealed through you or in you and God will be glorified in you just as God was glorified in Jesus Christ while he was on earth. So he says, now for that, uh, that happens when there is something called the redemption of purchased possession. And he says redemption of purchased possession comes after you have a guarantee of your inheritance. So your inheritance is redemption. And he says the Holy Spirit is the guarantee when he actually seals you with the mind of Christ. So that mind, that son, that sonship mindset in you guarantees that you will have a redemption. Now let's go even a couple of books backward to the book of Romans and see what this redemption eventually is all about. Chapter 8 of the book of Redemption. Uh, sorry, book of Romans in verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit, which is the guarantee, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, which is the redemption of our body. Not soul, not spirit, body. The redemption of your body 
is that for which you were sealed with the mind of sonship. Because chapter 8 of the book of Romans is all about sonship. In fact, in verse, um, verse 29, uh, it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so the, um, the story is this, that God says in the book of Revelation, there is a past that I'm showing you. There is a mystery that was in the Old Testament, and I'm bringing light into that mystery. I'm showing that in a clear language. Uh, what is that story about in Christ for you? Uh, it starts from uh, basically God. It starts from his kingdom. It starts from his throne. And that's why chapter 4 is all about the throne. And then uh, this redemption is all about a scroll that needs to be actually unloosed. And Rose covered this. That's chapter uh, basically 5 and 6. And then it says when that began to be, uh, the seals began to be opened, there is a couple of more steps until the inheritance that is written in this scroll can be embraced. And that inheritance is the redemption of the purchased possession, which is the redemption of your body. Now it says be, for that to happen, you must be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Holy Spirit of promise is actually the spirit of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ was rose again, Peter said, this that you see, this filling of the Spirit is uh, in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. It says what you see is actually uh, Jesus being glorified, being received to the right hand of God uh, and receive the Holy Spirit and pouring him out. Okay, So when Jesus, the angel from the rising of the sun, arose he had the seal of God and he came to seal us and that means by the power of the Holy Spirit to put a new mind in us the mind of Christ now that causes us to experience a couple of things which is the first thing about that is look at first Corinthians chapter 2 uh, verse uh, 16 says for who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him but we have the mind of Christ so this is end of chapter 2. I just read this here to say that there is something about the mind of Christ. I'm going to go backward and say what that mind of Christ is all about. So who has the mind of Christ? You, I. If you are being baptized by the Holy Spirit, then you have the mind of Christ. So why this is important? Because verse 12 says, but we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God sounds like promised land sounds like God has given you redemption sounds like God has said I have told you get up from this land from wilderness and you have wasted time enough time here get up and cross over this Jordan River and inherit the land that I have promised you. So verse 13, these things we also speak in words which uh, man's, uh, not with, uh, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So he's trying to say, 
guys, anything that I teach has nothing to do in flesh. It's not about, you know, an, a physical place. It's not about a physical river. It's not about a physical well. It's not about a physical city or a physical nation or a physical temple or a physical priest or a physical... It's not physical. They are spiritual. So he says, you want to understand what God has given you? Get into the spirit. Get into the mind of Christ. Understand how did Jesus treat Sabbath? How did Jesus treat sacrifices? How did Jesus treat, I don't know, uh, every altar, uh, washings and stuff like that? Wasn't it that he came to actually show us, teach us? They all represented something. But now the truth has come. I mean, I came. The scriptures were about me and I came. So why are you going back and looking backward? Anyways, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. For he, um, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is very, very important. They are spiritually discerned. If there is debate in the body of Christ about these things, it's because they go about actually giving their own doctrines about what the book of Revelation is all about without a spiritual discernment of what actually the Holy Spirit teaches. So that's why we have uh, the fights over the book of Revelation. It's not anything that we are saying. It's about whether the tribulation is going to be, uh, the rapture is going to be before tribulation or during tribulation or after tribulation. Okay? They don't see any other option. Why? Because they don't look at it spiritually. They basically, they read the book of Revelation and they, everything that they see uh, is received through the natural man, not the spiritual man. And it says, in order for this to happen, look at verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So he says, although he can be judged by others, but not rightly, is not discerned rightly. But it says, who, uh, as it was written, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So no longer the Old Testament, you know, language of who can know. No, we can know. We have the mind of Christ and we can. We can know what's the next step. We can understand. Uh, it's not about, you know, anymore. Uh, nobody knows. Nobody understands. No, we know. That's why the revelation of Jesus Christ is given us. Uh, the only reason we don't know because we don't spend time on seeking the truth and asking the Holy Spirit and uh, looking for spiritual understanding. We have already believed what uh, to, to believe what is uh, the scripture is all about and there is nothing left. But when we settle that it's not what I have known, there is something more than the Spirit can begin to show that. Us. So, uh, that's actually part of chapter 7. It's not all about that and it's not all the uh, scriptures that I wanted to talk about because we can't cover that obviously in one session. But the purpose of this uh, series is not to actually go verse by verse, word by word, say everything, what every sign represents. That we are doing in a separate online course. The purpose of this uh, is to actually uh, give you some overall views of what the book is all about so you can begin to see every chapter and then you can go and read it for yourself you can open the bible you can ask the holy spirit to be with you get a concordance get into i don't know some softwares blue leather bible or something check the greeks don't trust translations and doesn't matter which translation there is no perfect translation uh, get into put them all together uh, get into greek get into um, hebrew 
and check it for yourself and see if uh, the, the spirit uh, basically in you bears witness with the truth that you are uh, receiving. So uh, that's about it for today. Uh, we're going to get into chapter um, 8 of the book of Revelation um, and uh, we have uh, several more chapters and it's exciting because uh, it's just one thing to go you know um, quickly over the entire book of Revelation chapter by chapter because uh, once you have that overall view once you see uh, basically um, the glorious plan of redemption that what is the father's desire for you I mean what is this whole story of new heaven and new earth is this something I have to wait for? Is it something that is going to happen? Is it going to be at a certain time? Or maybe it's about something that I, it says the time has come. The time is near. The time is here. Read, hear, and keep the words and you will be blessed. So if you have any question, leave, me, leave a comment for me. You can scroll down, go to comment section and leave me a comment. If you have a question about our membership, you can email us even at contact at perfectedbyblood.com. And other than that, God's grace be with you and we're going to see you next week.